Welcome to those who are coming from the, the D track. This is our E track evangelization. And um, I don't really have much to say for our next speaker, but I'm honored to um, intro to you guys. Our next speaker is our very own MC, David Bates. stopwatch going so I shouldn't overrun. Uh, welcome everyone. Uh, thank you for coming and hearing me speak. I know Scott Weeman is upstairs. He's a friend of mine. He's a great speaker. You're really missing out. Uh, but I, I wanted to go and listen to him as well. But it means that I get to talk to you good people. Uh, my name is David Bates. I've been the MC here today with Sarah. So I shouldn't need too much introduction. But when I first meet people, they typically try and guess my accent, usually incorrectly. I moved to the United States about 10 years ago now, but I grew up in England, which is why I have this delightful accent. I had a fairly typical upbringing. I learned to love tea from a very early age. Uh, I was taught how to play cricket. And when I got a little older, my parents obviously sent me to the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft <laughs> and Wizardry. Uh, I'm sure some of you are familiar with the series of admittedly fictionalized uh, uh, stories of my life by J.K. Rowling. <laughs> the other important thing to know about me is that I run a blog, RestlessPilgrim.net. I've been writing for it since about 2010. And in every talk I ever give, I always make sure there's a shameless plug for it. Uh, on that website, you can find articles I've written, any other talks that I've given, and this talk itself will be up there tomorrow, together with links to the various resources that I'm gonna reference in my talk. But please subscribe to the newsletter. I send out one a month. It's just highlighting any talks that I've done and my favorite articles. And please like the Facebook page if you want to find out where else I speak in San Diego. Now, this session is going to be about 40 minutes long, and we are talking about evangelization. The specific title of this talk is Evangelization for the Terrified. But if we're going to talk to people about Jesus, we need to make sure we regularly talk to Jesus. So before we get going, I'd like to pray. And I'm going to pray the prayer of St. Francis, since I think that's really appropriate for this topic. So if you'll please join me in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. St. Therese, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'd like to begin this talk with a question. What is the point of the church? The Catholic Church, what is it here for? What is its purpose? And I would say the church's purpose is to evangelize. The Catholic Church is here on earth 
in order to bring people to Jesus. And I'm not making this up. Uh, I'm getting this from the church herself. The Second Vatican Council that it spoke very powerfully about the missionary nature of the church. And about 10, minute, 10, 10 years after the council closed, Pope Paul VI, who was the pope who closed the council, he wrote an encyclical called Evangelium Nuntiandi. That's the Latin title. In English, it's Evangelization in the Modern World. And in it, he really summed this up very powerfully. He said, the task of evangelizing all people constitutes the essential mission of the church. It is the vocation proper to the church, her deepest identity. The church exists in order to evangelize. The church exists in order to evangelize. So if that's the purpose of the church, what about the Catholic, the Christian? What's their point? Well, if the church's purpose is to evangelize, then that means every single Catholic is also an evangelist and a missionary. These are not activities that are restricted to the religious professionals, you know, the, the priests, the nuns, the, the, the formal missionaries, that even say the catechists or the CCD teachers in your church. If you are here and you are baptized, confirmed Catholic, that means that you are also an evangelist and a missionary. Put simply, you are each being called to change the world. And that can appear kind of scary. As you can imagine, today is quite a busy day for me, emceeing, giving a talk. So I made sure that I've got some relaxing things planned for tomorrow. And one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to go and watch the latest X-Men movie, Logan. All of the guys are going, yeah. All the girls are going, what? <laughs> but for those of you who aren't familiar, in X-Men, there is a character called Professor X. And his mutant ability is he's able to read minds. And just as I've been speaking just now, unbeknownst to you, I have been reading your minds. As I've been saying that you are each an evangelist and a missionary, that you are called to change the world, this is what I heard. Me? I wouldn't know what to say. It'd be super awkward. I thought you weren't meant to talk about religion or, or politics. I might say something wrong. I might look stupid. I don't know the faith well enough. Someone might ask me a question to which I don't know the answer. Is that about right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was about right. These fears are understandable, and I know that you're thinking this because every single time I am called to evangelize, I think the same thing or any time I'm called to give a talk, actually. <laughs> and I think there are three reasons that we're typically afraid of evangelism, and in general, three reasons we're afraid of anything. The first is, we're afraid of something, we're afraid of, of, of a challenge, when we don't know how to handle it, we don't have a strategy. Well, there's some good news, you're here today, and in this talk, you're going to be given some very practical tools that you can start using uh, immediately, as soon as you walk out that door. The other reason I think people are often afraid of doing something, afraid of a challenge, is that they think it's going to put them too far outside of their comfort zone. Well, I've got some more good news. You don't have to start evangelizing by going on the street corners and doing street preaching. There's always a place for that. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to be entering into formal debates with atheists. 
You can start in the really small things. And as you grow in confidence, you can grow in your evangelistic activities. And while you don't have to get too far outside of your comfort zone, doesn't everybody want a great mission in their life? To have meaning and purpose? I mean, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, who would you prefer to be? Would you prefer to be Frodo and Samwise, who summon their courage, head out into the unknown, and end up saving Middle Earth? Or would you prefer to be the many, many unnamed hobbits who stayed back in the Shire where it was safe and comfortable? I think secretly, in everyone's heart, they really do want an adventure, which is good. The other reason I think that we're scared is we're scared of undertaking a challenge that we don't think we can actually do. But again, we've got some good news. It is Jesus who is calling us to this. And if Jesus is calling us to this, it means he's going to be with us as we go. I mean, this really ties into this main retreat. Power and weakness. You know, Jesus said to St. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. So if you feel like this is something you can't do, that's good news. Because it leaves more room for God's grace and more room for the Holy Spirit to work. So that's why people are typically afraid of evangelization. And I think I've just proved all of those reasons are invalid. There's no reason to be afraid. But what actually is evangelization? I think when most people think of it, they think of street preachers on corners with bullhorns telling everyone they're going to hell. <laughs> now, as, as, as Reggie said, we often go out and we do street evangelism with the St. Paul's street evangelism. It's very different. Um, and it's also a lot of fun. Please speak to us afterwards if you'd like to come out. But evangelization isn't just restricted to street preaching activities. Although it's a bit of a crude definition, I would say that evangelization is anything which brings people closer to Jesus. Anything that lets them know that the God who made everything loves them, died for them, and wants to be in a relationship with them through his body, the church. And we evangelize both in word and in deed. Actions often speak far more loudly than words. A life lived in stark contrast to the standards of society will speak much more loudly than any moralizing sermon. And while that's true, it's, it's very easy to delude ourselves. I know I did this for years. I would often say, oh yes, yes, I, 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 I preach by my actions, by the way that I live my life. And one of my good friends asked me a question. He said, David, what is it that you would say about the way that you live your life that speaks so loudly about Jesus? What is it about the way you live your life that causes other people to reconsider theirs? I had to think for a moment. And I came up with it. I am nice. <laughs> he didn't look convinced, so I, I, I thought a little bit more. I am polite. I am nice and polite to people. Now, there's nothing wrong with being nice, there's nothing wrong with being polite, but when it, when it comes to bringing people into the fullness of the Catholic Church, I think we might need something in addition to being nice and polite. 
And Pope Paul VI, in that same encyclical, he really hammers this home. He says, the good news proclaimed by the witness of life, by the way that you live your life, your works, the good news proclaimed by the witness of life's life, sooner or later, has to be proclaimed by the word of life. There is no true evangelization if the name, teaching, life, promises, kingdom, and the mystery of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, are not proclaimed. So we do both. We evangelize by our actions and we evangelize by our words. But think for a moment. Why do we actually evangelize? I would say two reasons. We believe that Catholicism is true. And second is that we believe that we have something to share. Can you say that? Do I truly believe that Catholicism is true? Do I think that I actually have something to share with the world? Do I think that the lives of others, both here and now and in eternity, will be better if everybody joined the Catholic Church? If I can't say yes to all of those questions, I'm gonna have a real issue when it comes to being an evangelist. How am I gonna convince other people if I myself am not convinced? There's a very famous magician, Penn Gillette. He's also a very well-known atheist. And he has a great quotation where he calls out Christians for what he sees as their cowardice in not sharing the faith. This is what he says. How much do you have to hate somebody not to proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and to not tell them that? Whenever I hear that quotation, I'm seriously challenged. But it also puts my fears into perspective. If I truly love people, I should love them with the truth. And this isn't because I'm so great and I've worked everything out. Evangelization is nothing more than one beggar telling another hungry beggar where the bread is. Now I said that you are all called to be evangelists, but I can also guarantee that every single one of you has been evangelical. Every single one of you has evangelized about something. Have you ever seen a great movie? What did you do? You checked in on Facebook, you wrote a one-line review, you then messaged a few friends saying, oh, let's go see that again. It's an amazing movie, fantastic action, adventure. Or maybe you found a really great restaurant. Me, I love Mexican food so, so much. In fact, it's actually one of the things I gave up for Lent. Yeah, the lesson of that story is don't let your closest friends choose your Lenten penances for you. <laughs> You want a definition of bravery? <laughs> but also, last week I went to the DMV, and a couple of my friends mentioned that I was going, and they started talking to me. I said, oh, bring a book, you'll be a while. Oh, don't forget your car registration. Uh, make sure you go to El Cajon, it's, it's, it's faster there. They've got better air conditioning. <laughs> See, they, want their, they didn't want me to suffer. Isn't that great? Uh, good friends. But why are we evangelical in all of these other areas? Because we think that other people's lives will be better with it, with, with what we have to say. 
So all in this talk I'm suggesting to you is be evangelical about Christ, if you truly believe that life is better with him. We're not just telling someone how to avoid, you know, deal with the struggles of the DMV. We're explaining how to deal with the struggles and the big questions of life. We're not suggesting that somebody go out and watch a you know, 90-minute movie where they'll go along this great adventure and then leave. We're inviting them into the great adventure, life with God. And we're not just telling someone where they can get a really good taco. We're telling them where they can get the bread of heaven. So that's why we evangelize. But where do we begin? I always really try and make sure that my talks are as practical as possible. I've titled this talk, Evangelization for the Terrified. So let's start with baby steps. Do you publicly identify as Catholic? And by that I mean in front of your peers, in front of your co-workers. I remember the very first job I had, I'd worked there for a couple of weeks, and then the subject of religion came up. And I knew identifying myself as Catholic was not going to be the best of moves. So even just identifying myself as Catholic was a big step for me. Also, I wrote something about my faith online. Wasn't anything big at all. It was just simply identifying myself as a Christian. One of the girls that I would go salsa dancing with then sent me an email. She said, I hadn't realized you're a Christian. Can we meet and talk? And so I met her, I talked to her, and talked to her about some of the things that she had been uh, wrestling with, with Christianity. And at the end of it, she said, can you help me find a church? All that only began by simply identifying myself as a Catholic, as a Christian. Because it may be hard to believe, particularly if you, well, I think I certainly do, I live in a Catholic bubble. Actually, everyone I know is Catholic. But you could very well be the only Catholic, the only Christian that somebody else knows. We shouldn't be embarrassed about being Catholic. We should be joyful and enthusiastic about our faith. I think we've for too long been, oh no, it's, it's a private matter, we should you know, keep a lid on it. No, <laughs> be joyful. St. Teresa of Avila said, Lord, save us from sour-faced saints. Be joyful and let it show. Now I'm aware that I'm speaking to a lot of millennials here, so when I talk about identifying as Catholic, I'm talking about Facebook. <laughs> on your Facebook profile, do you identify as Catholic? And if you want to talk about a good place to start. I think we can all agree that social media is a pretty terrible place, particularly, I think, for the last few months. Uh, most of my friends have given up some form of social media, and they all seem dramatically happier for it. But maybe every now and again, maybe once a week, post something that is good, true, and beautiful about Jesus and his church. It's not very hard to do. And it will really stand out amid the bile and vitriol that seems to characterize social media today. So that's a good place to start. But we should then start looking for opportunities to share our faith. Here's an example that I use in a lot of my talks for different things. When does an Olympian athlete start preparing for his race? It's not a few seconds before it happens. It's not even a few minutes, hours, days, weeks, not even months, 
It's years before. Someone that wins a gold medal started preparing for that race years before. So that when the time came, he was ready. Do you actively pray for opportunities to share your faith with your friends, with your family, with your co-workers? Because if you do, you'll be far more likely to be able to recognize those opportunities when they crop up. How many times have you walked away from a conversation, or maybe a little later in the day, and you're replaying the conversation, and you're kicking yourself that you had an opportunity to speak truth and love into somebody's life, and you didn't do it? This is one of the reasons we pray to prepare ourselves. But it also fosters a great love for the people that we're praying for. And it can be a very powerful thing if somebody finds out that you have regularly been praying for them. We live in a culture that's very self-obsessed. So to find out that somebody else has taken some time out of their life to think about you and pray for your blessing is quite a powerful thing. And as a little tip, I would suggest every time you go to Mass, maybe at the offertory procession, uh, offer somebody else up to God. Offer a particular person that, Lord, please give me an opportunity to speak to that person about you. And the same thing at the prayers of intercession. When the church is praying as a unit, pray for an opportunity to share your faith. Now, having this evangelistic mindset of looking for these opportunities is great. But I'm not talking about just crowbarring it into every conversation. For example, if I'm at work and somebody says, hey David, would you like a glass of water? Yeah, I'd love a glass of water. Do you know who walked on water? <laughs> Jesus. Why don't you go to Mass on Sundays? <laughs> I'm not suggesting doing it quite like that. But perhaps this might be a better way. Monday morning, whatever state of life you're in, whether you're a student, you work, whatever, what is the most common question people ask you on Monday morning? What did you do this weekend? Did you have a good weekend? They have just given you an invitation to talk to them for a little bit. You have maybe 15 seconds to share with them something about your faith experience that weekend. If nothing else, oh, I went to Mass, it was beautiful. Maybe you had a visiting priest that was a particularly good preacher. Maybe there was a, a parable or a story that spoke particularly strongly to you. Maybe you went, went to Mass and then went out and had some social time with friends. I know there's several groups here in San Diego that will go and play volleyball Sunday afternoons. So, oh yeah, we went to Mass and then we went to volleyball. Oh, you should come next week. Being invitational is so important. It, I, I, in so many ministries, and I would also say in evangelization, the main reason that people don't step forward is nobody has ever invited them. This is a wonderful retreat this weekend. How many people did you invite? And there are so many wonderful ministries in the church that most people never get to hear about. If you ask, I think, most people on the street, what do you think of when you think of the Catholic Church? You'll hear hypocrites, uh, pedophile scandal, uh, boring, arrogant. So it might do somebody good to know that, oh no, we went out and we fed the homeless. My, my young adult group myself. 
the arts, books, movies. These are also really great opportunities to speak about the more important things. Movies typically try and address some of the big questions. Why are we here? What is the purpose? What is the meaning? And these can be great launch pads uh, to have these kinds of conversations. And honestly, that's another talk in itself, specifically movie ministries. Another way you might prompt a conversation is to mark yourself in some way. Some people wear a crucifix, a cross, a Catholic t-shirt. This will often prompt a response. Someone might say, oh, I really like your crucifix. Or, that's a fun t-shirt. And you now have an opportunity to speak just for a few seconds about you and the church and how being Catholic makes life better. The priest who baptized me, he was called Father Nicholas, and he was also my confirmation sponsor, and he would always say, don't give someone the answer until they ask the question. And in evangelism, if we can prompt questions, then we have a ready way into having conversations about the things that really matter. Because someone then might ask you, why are you Catholic? Are you ready to give a response to that? Again, that's another talk of preparing your testimony. Another thing that I love to do while I'm traveling, I use a Kindle, I'm a techie person, but whenever I travel, I always make sure I bring a book with me, a physical book, with the most provocative cover I can find. Something about how every person deserves life, how abortion is wrong, how Jesus saves, how the Catholic Church is the one founded by Jesus Christ. And what I do is I read it for a little bit, and then I'll put it down, and you know, think about it for a little bit, and give people around me an opportunity to maybe offer a comment. Oh, I'm great to travel with. <laughs> but it's very consistent. I was reading a book about where the Bible came from. This was several years ago. And a girl next to me was reading the Da Vinci Code. Oh, this is going to be great. So I'm reading the book with the, with the cover turned directly towards me. And we eventually have a conversation. And she tells me what her book says. And then I point out where it might be a little inaccurate. And as you go about, go packing. And by that, I mean in my car, in my bag, I always have some CDs, some books, and some rosaries with me. So that if I get to have a conversation with somebody, at the end, I can give them one. Because it's very hard to refuse a gift. It's like, no, this is my gift to you. I want you to have it. And if this is someone in your life who you will be seeing again, you might say, I would love to talk to you about what you thought of that CD, that book. Let's, let's go grab co coffee in a week or two. Because we're not just about sharing information. It's about building a relationship with the person and introducing them to the most important relationship in your life. We don't just want to tell them about God, we want to introduce them to God. And having all of this stuff in, my, in your bag, it won't break your bank. Dynamic Catholic, they have some very cheap books, very CDs, very cheap CDs, all good quality. And you don't even have to go looking for all of these opportunities yourself. Sometimes they will come to you. If you've identified yourself as Catholic among your social group, I don't know if it's just me, but I think Catholicism has been in the news so much more recently, between Pope Francis and various things over same-sex marriage, abortion. If you've identified as Catholic, chances are that your friends will say, oh, I heard the Catholic Church, such and such. And now you have an opportunity 
to give them a brief response, give them the Catholic position on something, because chances are, if they've been consuming regular media, they won't have heard it. And to help you do this, I recommend re uh, listening to podcasts such as Hearts and Minds and The Don Johnson Show, because these are uh, radio shows where they actually go through the news and speak to it from a Catholic point of view. So, we've gone and looked for opportunities, and all is fine, but then we need some assistance. And I think this is what most Catholics are really scared of, of being challenged or being ridiculed. And I would say a lot of people, when they meet this, say nothing. And I think that can be a really missed opportunity. And the best way to respond to challenges is to know your faith. The scripture passage for this is 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that you have within you. But do it with gentleness and respect. So learn your faith so you can respond to these challenges. There's a Latin phrase, nemo dat quod non habit. You can't give what you don't have. You can't explain the faith that you don't understand. However, there's a danger in this. There's a danger to think that we can't evangelize until we become experts. And that's just not true. Out of my friends, the ones who I regard as being the most knowledgeable about the faith, they regularly tell me that they realize how much more there is to learn. So rather than waiting until we're an expert, we need to become continuous learners. And by that, I mean fostering a kind of pious curiosity. I think about eight years ago, I was sitting in a church, kneeling, praying, and my eyes fell upon the altar. And written on the altar was I-H-S. And it occurred to me, I know that appears on communion hosts, but I have no idea what that means. When I left the church, I went and did some Googling. And uh, I found out what it meant, uh, which was great. And actually, if you want to find out what it is, look on my blog, restlessbogram.net. I wrote an article. <laughs> but if we can foster that kind of uh, pious curiosity, then we'll continually learn more about the faith. We live in the best time to do this. We have books and CDs. Uh, there are paid services. Uh, Claritas U was launched by Brandon Voigt this week, as was um, formed by Catholic Answers. These are video services where you get really solid teaching videos. There's also free versions like the Institute of Catholic Culture. Now, even if you think that's impossible, it's like, hey, David, I don't have time for this. Just a little and often. Integrate it with your devotional life. Have a good Catholic book on the go. And if you still think it's too hard, I would just ask you, how much time do you spend on Facebook? And how long do you spend on YouTube watching videos of cats playing the piano? <laughs> but we've got to be aware of how you explain things. Because it might prove more than you are intending. So in addition to proving some aspect of the Catholic faith, you might also prove to the person to whom you're speaking that Catholics are angry, arrogant, mean-spirited jerks. And I've met people who have said, look, some people, you just have to tell them how it is. But honestly, I think they're just using it as an excuse to be obnoxious. There's a very clear difference between being candid, which I'm all in favor of, and being angry. Remember that passage from 
First Peter, where our first Pope says, when we give our answer, do it with gentleness and respect. And this is especially true, I think, on social media, where everybody gets tremendously brave and writes things to one another that they would never say to each other face to face. But it's also not so much about how much you know, but how you share it. When you're having an interaction with somebody, the first thing you have to do is recognize that this person is a fellow image bearer. They are also a child of God. And that means that your first job, your first responsibility, is to listen. And this has two advantages. It means that you get the opportunity to speak later. And also, you get to learn a lot about that person. About the things that would push them away from the faith, and perhaps attract them to something else. And as we're having this conversation, smile. They are not the enemy. They might say something that offends you, but remain calm, breathe, ask the Holy Spirit for help. 